Cat Disgusted is a show about veterinary nursing. It is not a show about how to cure your sick pet. If your animal is sick, take it to the vet. Don't be a crazy person and use a podcast to cure your puking cat, dog, chinchilla, etc., etc. I think they would tell you the same thing. If they could. Mm, Which they can't. Which makes it hard. You know what's up. Take them to the vet. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Cat Disgusted, a podcast for veterinary technicians and the people and animals who love them. Each episode, we explore the best of times and the worst of times in veterinary nursing. I'm your host, Nicole Dickerson. I'm an RVT working in emergency and critical care. BTSCCC. And this is what happens. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Cat Disgusted. This episode is different. Uh, Why is it different? Because I've got some partners in crime in this episode. Um, It's been a while since I've had uh, another set of voices on here. I was contacted by uh, a great podcast called Veterinary Innovation Podcast. They are a duo of dudes who do a podcast about technology and integrating technology into veterinary medicine because there's a podcast for everything these days. I was contacted by these guys because they have um, uh, they have a larger team than my team of one. Uh, who helps them put together this podcast and they found me and they liked the sound of my voice and they liked what we talk about here on the old cat disgusted and so wanted to do a little uh, talking on the mics at the same time type of situation so we decided to try that and it went really well Um, it was a really nice conversation to have about technology and veterinary medicine which is something that like me being a bit of a luddite in that regard I never thought that I would really like want to talk about Um, but they made it uh, really engaging. And so these two dudes who run this podcast, uh, it's Sean Wilkie, who's the fellow that you'll hear me talking to. He is a serial entrepreneur, which that title, which I very much enjoy. And he has used his uh, powers for good in veterinary medicine and is uh, now actually the CEO of a company called Takatu, which is a voice recognition software that helps veterinarians type their records faster by voice recognition. And he's really interested in uh, artificial intelligence or AI, as you'll hear us refer to it a whole lot as. Uh, his partner in crime in his podcast uh, is Dr. Ivan Zach. Uh, Dr. Ivan Zach is the inventor of SmartFlow, which those of you technicians listening will recognize as the interface that we use for treatments in hospitals so much. Those are the iPads that the veterinary technicians I worked with carried around. Although and you'll hear me talk about how resistant I was to this new technology when it first came into my hospital, but it's kind of a brilliant device. And he's, of course, um, made a whole career of it. And he uh, it won't be on the podcast today. Uh, he's in the Ukraine. And uh, Sean, who you'll hear me talking to, he's out of Nova Scotia, Canada, uh, who is handling this pandemic much better than California, apparently. Who knew? Canada's all quiet and good up there, and they know what they're doing. So uh, without further ado, I think we'll just, we'll listen to me and Sean have this conversation about veterinary technology and what's exciting about it and what's coming up in it and how it relates to me and my world and your world and everybody's world. 
I am going to give a minor plug to this website called Squadcast. Um, Squadcast is how we did this episode, and it's pretty awesome. It's this website that you go onto, and your homie, who can be anywhere in the world, can also go onto. And then it's a little bit like Zoom, where you can talk to each other with a webcam even so you can see each other's faces and then it records the files for you so you can have them on your computer and edit them for a podcast. So, you know, Sean's in Canada, I'm in the Bay Area and here's this awesome thing that we created. Me and Sean are talking about the Squadcast program at the very beginning of this episode. So that's why you hear me so stunned and the technology guy not stunned as to how great it is and then we'll you know talk about the pandemic too because that's what you do these days right it's 2020 you talk about COVID-19 so we do that too a little bit but just a little just a little well, well you'll, you'll see here we go look at that recording okay perfect it's amazing <laughs> isn't it I know well I do have to say like it makes perfect sense that in the technology episode that you're introducing me to this like brand new yeah we should we should talk about wonder. that let's do that that'll be fun <laughs> just for a second you know i think it would be interesting um because yeah it's so neat like and you know the i think the thing that we could do just quickly like just encourage people to podcast like the more podcasting in the vet space the better there's a bunch but you know if there was a hundred more that would be a hundred more resources for people to get a hold of it's true. I mean, you know, I just got this. Oh, this is so funny. This has happened since I talked to you. So I just got this message from this person who I've never, ever met. And she's in L.A. or something like that. Okay. It was a long Facebook message. And I'm always suspicious of Facebook messages because you get those weird ones that mm -hmm. say, like, click on this. It might be you in this video. And it's a total spam thing. But this was a long paragraph this person she works at a home depot she works the graveyard shift and so she listens to all these podcasts and she randomly came upon mine and she's a big cat fan and so she was like i love listening to the like that's how she found it she was just googling cat podcast and because it's the first word it must have come up and she was saying how she listened to like all 40 of them in like just a couple nights and she's so bummed that there's not more of them like it was the most amazing thing this total stranger in la who was like listening to my voice on a graveyard shift in a home depot <laughs> i was at navc this last year and oh you have to tell CEO, me what, what what's the what's the navc i don't even oh so it's the north american veterinary medical conference it's the oh. biggest veterinary conference in the world oh my god it happens god. in florida yeah and oh it's yeah. Wild. I mean, oh yeah, 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 yeah yeah vmx it's called vmx that's now. that's familiar vmx yeah, i know right. yeah 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 vmx yeah so i was there with Takatu and um, this guy came up and he looked super important, you know, like I'm a pretty casual guy. I'm in a dirty shirt on a Saturday yeah. watching my kids. <laughs> I'm sitting around at this trade show and this guy comes up and he said, are you Sean Wilkin? I said, yeah. And he said, he's like, I got to tell you, I listened to your guys' podcast at the gym and I absolutely love it. Turns out he's the CEO of MBA, oh. like the huge am animal chain hospital. Yes. Like listen to every episode in the gym. Oh, see, yeah, I love that. It's super weird. Well, I but mean, this pretty, is but pretty cool. This is how this is how the world is working right now is like, you know, yeah. like people have a lot of time just doing like yard yeah. work or whatever. And yeah. you just need something that's playing in the yeah. background. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It's good to know where background noise, right? I know. <laughs> but, you know, I, see, I feel like I have zero 
problems with that. Like I'm like, you know, if you just if you yeah, want to like yeah. listen in, that's cool. But if you no, want to also finds just have a me chatter, interesting, yeah, I'm happy happy to have them have I'm me. I'm good with me. it, right? And my whole yeah. aim too, you know, I feel like the there's a lot of veterinary medicine podcasts like that are very specific to vet med people. Like, you know, yeah. like there's like doctor ones, there's like, you know, specific um like uh, ER ones or internal medicine ones, but I kind of, yeah. my goal was kind of, you know, I'd specialize so specifically, but I feel like no one really knows what vet techs do, like, and that what yeah. they experience on a daily basis. That's so, right. so my aim was to be like, you know, it's interesting if you're, if you are in the industry, then you're going to totally get what I'm talking about. But if you're not, here's a little bit of a window of what of our, what our everyday is. <laughs> And like, God help us <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> to get That's through right. another day I of know. it. It's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I do think that, I do think that listening to the technology bits of it, you know, it feels very, when you're working in the hospital, technology can be a source of, of like unbelievable frustration. Infinite frustration. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I figure you've been doing, have you been, have you always done tech? You've always been a tech person? Yeah. Since I, I since I've been like 13, I, I oh. you know, the way I got into tech is I actually had um, a very rare hip disorder <gasps> where the ball joint of my hip separated from my hip. No way. And yes, because it's called a slipped epiphysis. I can't believe I remember the name. Whoa. Um, but it happened on both sides and I was like 13 years old. And my grandparents bought me a Commodore 64 and took it in and I played with that. And then I had another one and, you know, I was in a wheelchair in and out of the hospital for like a couple of years and I was probably around like 12, 13. And so kind of really dug deep into technology and it just, it seemed almost, to me, it almost seemed um, like something that was innate inside me. You know, I just, you know, I was constantly doing stupid stuff, uh, you know, connecting to the university and taking little bits of the internet when the internet was, you know, just text screens, um, just white text on a black screen and reading things, you know, and being on BBSs, the kind of the precursor to the internet. And so I just had so much time and I, and I guess because I was doing so much of this, you know, just kind of fumbling around with technology and learning about it, it kind of just was always present in my life. Wow. Um, you know, from a really early age till now. And so I was definitely one of those young people that knew way more about computers when nobody else knew about them. And so I think that that was kind of my entry point into technology is just as a young kid kind of being immersed in it. And into medicine, because all of a sudden you had to deal with your this whole medical world while you were 12, 13. That's like the most formative. <laughs> like I'm trying to think of what I was doing when I was 12 and 14, like or 12 and 13, you know, like pl- probably playing with like briar horses in middle school or something. And here you are in yeah, a wheelchair. Really interesting. I mean, yeah, it's totally true. I mean, I guess to some degree, like, you know, I never thought of it actually until just now when you're saying it, which is pretty interesting. But I was definitely in around the healthcare industry. I was in, in and out of the hospital yeah. probably, it, probably at least 10 times, oh my you know, God. for oh, two weeks or a week or I think maybe three or four weeks even at the most uh-huh. at one point after recovering after the surgery. So in and out of the hospital a lot at a young age. And both and hips, you had both. You had to have surgery on yeah, both hips. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, so it, they both ended up having to be done. And, and then I think one side, they ended up having to go in and do another time. Oof. So it was just really, um, it was a really kind of ridiculous experience for a young kid. But I guess it, it treated me okay. I was going to say, but it, 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 to have this fascination. it forged your path into what you were going to do. 
Yeah, I kind of went into entrepreneurship. Uh That was kind of my path. Mm -hmm, I went mm -hmm. from, you know, just being a geek um, in my parents' house to fixing things for other people. And then I had an opportunity to kind of do like a little bit of kind of teaching out of mm-hmm. school of all things like teaching adults how to use the internet oh uh, see now that's one that is 2020 right there too because i feel like my nephews can they do all kinds of things on the phones that i have no yeah, idea yeah and the best thing for me is at the time i was getting paid i think like 30 dollars an hour it was you know, a couple of hours a week but it was amazing as what? a kid to find this job teaching adults and getting paid for it teaching them something i loved so that was that kind of continued i just kind of jumped into technology. I understood it, but not only did I understand it, but I was able to teach it to other people. And I think that is probably one of my unique abilities is to be able to take people that don't understand technology and make it relatable to something that they know. And so it's it's kind of natural for me to be doing a podcast about technology because I, I love teaching people. Um, and it really is fun to take something that's super complicated, like artificial intelligence with people think the robots are just going to come and get us and take it down and rip it into bite-sized pieces and tell people why it's not scary and why it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. So, you know, I got into running one small business. I, I started a computer store um, when I was 21 years old. I wow. Had a computer store. Selling, selling I, the products. like selling Yeah, the- selling computers. Yeah. And then selling to students. It was called Student Computers. Uh, .ca. So we're an online company to sell computers to students. And at the time, it was like early 2000s. And you could buy a used computer for, you know, a, an eighth of what you would spend on a new computer. And they'd still be good. Oh, yeah. And in a lot of cases, a lot better. Yeah. So we sold literally hundreds of thousands of computers to students. Man. And then we had another location. And then that company morphed into kind of helping people with their businesses, Uh their IT and their businesses. Uh uh And then we got into the internet services provider business. Uh So we were actually selling internet and providing internet infrastructure for large companies. And then I got into real estate and then I started a company with Google. And then I left life. I escaped life for a couple of months and moved to Southeast Asia. And it was about six months. I just kind of downcycled after I sold my company. And then I got super bored, read all the books that I wanted to read, and found myself back in a company that I had started almost 20 years ago that was still running. And I kind of went in, uh, took control of that company, and then grew it again. Wow. Um, and at the time that I did that, we were actually selling voice recognition to medical doctors. Oh, okay. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that was really interesting, and it was a, a pretty cool thing to do, sell mm-hmm. technology to medical doctors. And at one point this idea came what what if we could do this with vets and then i flew to texas of all places met this uh, radiologist that had been using the product and then we converted the product into a product for veterinary medical and built a piece of software and i ran that company for three years and then sold it Uh and then then i started another company after just after the podcast actually uh, because i love vet med uh, you know and we had this product and i got into the veterinary medicine industry and the people are amazing yeah i was the nicest people i was wondering what yeah that was that was the draw the draw was the veterinarians that you met and you you wanted to help them so i met this one guy we we thought that there was a missing piece of voice recognition for vets it Uh didn't exist before before we started to do what we did Mm -hmm. and we really brought it to the world um and then i sold the company 
Uh, it was called Dragon Veterinary. I sold that company because I wanted to do something a little bit more sophisticated or I really wanted to just an take another break. Mm. So I sold the company and then I had this idea that I could do a better job. So we then built Takatu from the ground up uh, and that's been a year and a half adventure. So, and you know, that's, I'm on company. that's the voice recognition yeah, software. Yeah, that's exactly what we're, I'm due every day. And it's really nice. Like a year and a half ago, I was running three companies um, and now I'm running one. Uh, and right. so I've, I'm super focused. I've got a team of like 13 of the most amazing, smartest people I've ever worked with in my entire life that make me feel inadequate half of the week <laughs> you know when i go in and they're just three steps ahead of me and are always. they are they veterinary based like are there other people no, that are no wow. so we, we, like our team is like a bunch of young energetic scientists data scientists oh, okay engineers yep. Yep. um you know marketing people like people that have skills that i didn't even know were possible to have um yeah so like you know like if we've got a We've got our newest, newest or no, not even our newest anymore because we've hired a couple of people since him. But one of our newest people that joined us on the digital marketing side, he's a, he's a mechanical engineer uh -huh. turned marketer. Uh, so, he, you know, he's an engineer, but he does marketing because marketing is turned into a science. I was just going like, to say it's, it's all math and logarithms now. It like sure how is. you with like where you're going to advertise to like because, you know, your Facebook yeah. feed. That's exactly what that is. That's a marketing totally ploy. Yeah. And that's all an algorithm that they do and it's every so day. It's so complex. Mm -hmm. And you've got to you've you know, marketing is run or turned into running experiments. Right. Seeing results, adjusting, refining, running yes. experiments experiments adjusting refining yeah. so it's turned into a science you yeah. know before it used to be put it on tv right when we were young it was like turn on the tv right yeah and be fed <laughs> that was advertising it. the entire evening that's and right then you want new sneakers and maybe a trip to mcdonald's yep and you know and now it's super complex because we all have different interests we've all evolved and changed and everything's get complicated and the world has so many more options now than we had before and so you have these groups of people that can be marketed to and targeted to veterinarians being one of them right it's it's amazing but you know i I was talking to a good friend the other day, and he was like, I love targeted ads. And I was like, what? <laughs> I know. You're like, what? Targeted ads. He's like, I'm going to buy stuff. And I'd rather be showing ads for things that I might like to buy than things that I wouldn't like to buy. And this guy's a smart guy. He's a he's an architect and an engineer. And I was like, you know what? I kind of agree with you. You know, if I want to go camping, which I kind of want to do now. Oh, yeah. Know, after being cooped up in the house for way too long. Yes. Um, you know, it's okay to see a place that's, you know, provides a nice place to camp. But it's not the end of the world. Oh, that is very true. I mean, like there's a there's a lunch bag that I have, which is this like it's a it's a white lunch bag with red writing on it in bold face and it says human organ and it's like it, so it looks like if you weren't if you weren't thinking about it too much if you saw me on the bart train in scrubs with my human organ like cold lunch bag that it might it, it might give you pause <laughs> give me give me a seat maybe you know with that particular with that particular lunch bag you know if you get on the bart and then accidentally drop it and kick it across the aisle oh sorry five second rule sorry my bad my bad i got it i got it but you know they like that bag came from an ad that was on facebook that showed up in my feed and like you know do you think you want to buy this is this what you want and i'm like you know what that is absolutely what i want facebook <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> now nova scotia is also closed down right like you guys don't have a whole lot 
open so there. Is that true? So life has changed in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Um, so in Nova Scotia, Canada, where I'm at, I just left my grandparents, mm-hmm. who I have not seen in three months. Right. Um, I spent the afternoon with them, mm-hmm. and we we are virtually back to normal wow. with no new cases for I think three and a half weeks. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. okay, that is very nice. That is not what's happening in the Bay Area. That is oh, that is not that is not the case, and it's hard to say why. I mean, if you know, it, I think some of it is more testing, but it's also that people are getting tired of this and i think that yeah. people are starting to be a little bit more lax in what they're in the mask wearing and in all that so i think there's someone once referred to it as um uh like shelter shelter fatigue that's what they called it like people are just done they're done with it they want to go back to their normal lives and so it's hard to say if it's just that people are just being less careful or if it is more testing but whatever it is it's it we are not as lucky as as you are as nova scotia three and a half weeks is a long time incredible yeah it's incredible here so you know there's uh there's atlantic canada which is the area that i live in yes nova scotia is one of the provinces Uh there's also uh pei new brunswick Uh and newfoundland Uh so there's kind of it's like four states the Uh equivalent of four states in the u.s and we now have what's called the atlantic canadian bubble and you're able to travel around oh, freely to these, these other places. And not only are you able to travel freely, they're now we're able to have a gatherings of up to 200 people. What? So it's really quite, I mean, it's it's really gone back to normal. That's Restaurants, nuts. bars, everything's open. And it's it's incredible. And, and it's been like that, and there's been no new cases. Right, so and it's, it's been okay. It's pretty magical. Wow. Yeah. Well, because if you did it for three and a half weeks, right, that's beyond their two-week, well, whatever they think yes. whatever they think that incubation period may or may not be. Yeah. Yeah, then you're kind of in the safe zone there. Oh, well, that's good. So does that, does that mean that you're uh, – well, you probably did most of your work – uh, did you do it from home anyway? Like, were you all? Yeah, you know. So we have an office. Uh-huh. Uh, we have an office in a, an incredible technology incubator in Halifax. Okay. And you know, there's about 200 companies in there, uh, maybe 150 or something like that. There's quite a few. Companies. Is it kind of like a we, like a like a we work like a we work building where they're it all is, in their but own? But it's a government sponsored one to kind of generate like uh, oh. tech companies in our province. Oh. And it's really really quite awesome. Hail so Canada the, for that. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah, that's right. Well, you guys got all kinds of awesome places down in the Bay Area. I've spent lots of time in them. Oh, I bet. Um, over the years with various companies. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's amazing because you know there's all these tech companies in there, and so we have you know our team of thirteen, which not everybody's close by. There's we have somebody that's on the other side on the west coast, and a few people here and there. We've got one person in Newfoundland and one person in Vancouver mm-hmm. um, that work on our team. Now there is four people, and mm-hmm. we could all be there if we wanted to, right. but we've adapted and adjusted, and we were okay with remote work before the pandemic, right. which I'm super glad I was because mm-hmm. I was the old guy. You know, I'm, I. <laughs> turned 40 last week isn't that weird and i was like you gotta go to work like you know there's a place that you gotta go to work and i and i always kind of didn't agree with this kind of idea of remote work i was not trusting i was paranoid i was you know all of the things that you shouldn't be that was me right um but you know we we have a really young team and they really pushed us to kind of think differently and they're like you know if i want to work at the library like why why is that a problem it's just up the street they have better coffee and i was like you know what Go for it. So we kind of let everybody um, work one day a week remotely if they wanted to. And then when we had to work remotely, we just like 
moved out of the office two or three days before everybody else in the world did uh, because we were like, you know, it seems like it's going to get bad. And so we all moved out and we've been remote ever since. And then we've made a decision as a management team. Like if you want to be remote, we don't care. You know, so so we're not forcing people back to the office if they're uncomfortable, uh, because what we've actually found, and I'm sure anybody that's in a business or anybody that's been remote working that listens to your show is probably said, you know what, they probably work harder at home because yeah. it's so easy to work. You roll out of bed. You don't have to put on any clothes you know, if you don't want to. You don't have to shower. If 2020 you don't want is to. The, the year of no pants. That's that's it's so awesome. I did miss the social aspect. You know, I'm, I'm a really like extroverted guy. I want to be meeting people, hanging out with people. And I missed it a lot. That's the, that's the part that I find is so hard. I mean, like for, for me, too, because I feel like I, I definitely feed off of interacting with people. And so that being reduced, that's a that's a bit of a thing. But you know what you said that I thought is so funny about our lives is that being the 40 year old makes you the old guy in the office that is that is veterinary technology like so i'm 42 and i was the old lady because everybody else who is in who all the vet techs they're all like 25 like 25 yeah. 23 so that means that they are the ones who are so much more i actually think that they have a much better uh, like a much better embracing of like the texting culture and like the the ipad culture of everything and not just in the hospital but just generally so like you know when we started to get new things in the hospital like smart flow like your homies program <laughs> those guys those like 25 year old kids were all oh yeah we got this do 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 i oh my god i I, I put my iPad like under pieces of paper. I was hiding it. I was like, I can't, I can't with this. I can't, this is like, this is, this is, this is hard for me, this whole tech thing. And it's just because there was not that it wasn't working because it was, and they were able to use it. It was that I was so distrustful of it actually doing what I wanted it to do. And and that's what made me think of my own experience with that made me think to, to ask you about that. Like, how do you get, how do you get like the, the veterinarians who are like, say like the one, the one doctor practice, like the ones who maybe actually need to have some technology put into their office. How do you get them to trust the tech, like trust that it's going to do what you need it, what you need it to do? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Because I was it's, that person. Yeah. And, and, you know, the reason it's a fantastic question is because I learned it early on. You know, one of my companies, we, um, it was called Sheepdog. Our tagline was that we were information's best friend. So oh, it's yet, a, yet another tie into the veterinary space or the, mm -hmm. the pet space. So mm -hmm. Sheepdog was information's best friend. And we deployed email systems for thousands of people, um, companies that had tens of thousands, tens of thousands of employees. Um, and we would move them over to Gmail, so G Google's enterprise tool. And I figured out early on that no one wants to change. Everybody loves to do what we've always done because oh. it's comfortable and we become expert at it. So true. And so what you need to do in order to bring people along this road of technology change, it's really simple. You just need to show them what's in it for them. You need to make it matter for them. And if they can see it, and it's not complicated and they can be like i can get this value out of that okay i'll give it a try and that's the magic I and mean, the magic is showing people what's in it for them 
and making it easy enough to digest that they're right. interested. Like it's going to be like by using this program, it's actually going to be advantageous to you. Like, you know, like yeah. I, I'm bringing you this tool that is made like it's tailored to be useful for you and your day specifically like this. Like yeah. I, I'm here to make your life an easier thing. Yeah, just just give me two minutes. I mean, and you know, the vet space is one of the hardest spaces to sell new technology. I totally believe that. And the reason why is because everybody's busy. They've got 20 things to do and they know they're going to be there late almost all the time. So, you know, if you can get two minutes and get their attention, which is sometimes hard to do. um, But if you can get those two minutes and show them what's in it for them and, you know, shameless self-promotion but my startup Takatu, what we do is we do the typing for people so oh that's a big one yeah it's so annoying to type you know it's just like labor intensive yes and annoying and if people aren't decent at it and even if you are decent at it it's still kind of annoying mm. and computers have literally evolved so far down that path that they can get 90 percent of it right so imagine, and I, and I know that you can relate to this, Nicole, imagine that doctor that you've worked with in the past that doesn't do any notes, or oh. maybe they make a, like a little note here or there, and then yeah. they forget to save it. Yeah. Um, imagine if you could take out 90% of, of what they wanted to say about that client encounter. There was maybe still, still some mistakes in the medical record, but imagine if you could get 90% of what happened a year and a half ago to Fluffy and Fluffy's owner's back and there's no medical record and they were there a year ago mm-hmm. or a year and a half ago and maybe they were there two or three times and there's nothing. You've nothing. got no history. Oh, Imagine yes. if you could have 90% of what they would have said at that time or right. 95% correct. And so voice recognition technology is literally a game changer. Mm-hmm. They can take two minutes after that encounter, complete the medical record, move on and so when we show people what's in it for them with Takatu, we literally blow their mind well it's a big deal it's a big deal i mean saving the burnout factor is so real and and especially i mean i think in all veterinary disciplines but especially in emergency because if you have a busy day in your 12-hour shift you're going to be there for 18 hours writing records like that's just the reality of the doc situation so if you've got voice dictation stuff in fact there was a um an internal medicine doctor that I work with who did have like a voice, like a a dictation, little headset thing. And people thought she was a a loon, like at her desk with this little Britney Spears mic doing her records at the end of the day. But you know what? She left by like six o'clock. Yeah. And And everybody's like, oh. We get them out of there a couple of hours early, get them some more time with their family and help them with this crazy job that they found themselves in that requires them to work a full day and then another couple of hours or run a business or deal with like human resource challenges. Like we know how stressful Mm -hmm. it can be to be a veterinarian or a vet tech. It can be pretty shitty, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think that that's why the burnout is such an issue in this industry is because it's hard, it's hard work, you know, and layer on top of it, you know, some irate client that doesn't want to pay their bill after you just save their animal's life like it's so ridiculous what they have to deal with i hate it (laughs) oh yeah i know and this and you've you've touched i mean you're you very intuitively have sensed like where the stress factors are in this job i mean it's that you're there long hours you're underappreciated and underpaid 
Like that's, yeah. and so that's, so all you have in the rest of your world is your time. And so if you're, if your time is, if you're not allowed to do the things like take your vacation, go home at the end of the day, like though, I think those are the factors that cause the burnout because you can't have balance that way. And that's what's happening now is that these emergency rooms that are still open in this pandemic, because a lot of the GPs have stopped seeing non-essential appointments or closed down entirely. The emergency clinics in the Bay Area all have eight to 10 hour waits every night. And everyone is completely exhausted and they can't, they don't feel like they get a chance to relax because the volume is so high and nurses by default, they want to care and they want to care for the things that are not doing well. And the system doesn't support any kind of mental or physical health about that because they, they know that the, like the nurses will stay. They will stay because they want to make sure that everything is okay. And I feel like it's a bit of a disservice to them that there's no structure to save them from that. Yeah, it's it's really quite crazy. And, you know, the work that we've done really, I really love it. You know, I, I love the podcast because it allows me to shine a little flashlight on some cool things that can save people time. Mm-hmm. And I like it. I like the conversations. They're nerdy conversations and I'm a nerd, so I like them. Um, but then our company, you know, are like our vision of just saving people's time, which can keep them away from that stuff. So, you know, it, I've never done this before. I've been on a couple of podcasts, but anybody that's listening to this that wants our software, call me and I'll give it to you for a couple of months. No charge, totally free. Uh, and if you can put it in the hands of somebody that needs it, um, that just you just know they're breaking, you know, they just have too many things on their mind. Just reach out to us. My email is sean at talkatu.com or call us and say that you heard it on this podcast and we'll get you set up with a couple of months of our software. Oh, look at that. You did it now. You did it now. <laughs> now your email inbox going, blow it up. People are like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I get to go home early. Oh, please. Yes. Yes. Yeah, for I mean, the love it's of God. just magical. Like we did this case study with one of our customers and you know, we we paid some independent uh, interviewer to come in an interviewer and she was like i save 50 percent of the time that i spend on my medical records and that Good. blew my mind like that's like that was three hours a day she's got down to a, an hour and a half it's great i mean that's you know? great that's great it's magic that and it's magic. time that she's not getting she wasn't getting paid for that time right her hourly wage was just going down as she was there oh overtime. yeah well see and this is the other thing that'll get you too is if you're there if you're there sitting in front of that computer writing your records there like the, i feel like there's this one doctor who i who was new and she stayed at the hospital this one time for 24 hours to get the records done and i was like you don't even know what you're doing you don't even know what you're doing at like hour 18 you're not writing medical records that are going to be of any use to anybody like it's i mean did you even do you even remember what you did at that point you know so i feel like that that's the other thing too is that the quality is going to go up if your brain is still working yeah you know and and then you're able to get get the things done in a way that's not going to make you go back and correct them because you know you're you're going to double the workload for yourself the more tired that you get and the less you're able to remember yeah and then you just walk out of there like a zombie exactly yeah that's right that's right and most likely they have another shift that's going to happen in in like an hour from when they go home so that's that's the other thing that's not going to serve them right but you know i read this um 
I read this article, this article in The Lancet, and it was about human medicine. And this was a, a rare moment, but this is not, not modern times, not in the Trump era, but there was a Chinese company and an American company that had worked together to form this diagnostic computer. And it was classified as like an AI device. And you would input patient data and then it would give you a diagnosis based on the information that you gave it. And they tested it with some kind of fictitious cases, like they weren't actual patient data, but apparently it ended up being right like 99% of the time. And the human medicine world got real freaked out by that. And they're like, oh no, we couldn't possibly trust a computer with diagnosis. Cause it's such an, I mean, since Pliny the Elder, humans have been diagnosing conditions and the idea that this computer would take that over in, they think was intimidating to a lot of human doctors that all of a sudden they're going to be out of a job. So now do you ever get that from people that they're worried the AI is going to replace humans in some way, like in an industry that's already underpaid people, like is, is AI ever a, a bit of a, like, a, a, do people see it as a danger that it's going to take over other people's jobs? I think, yeah. I mean, the reality is, is some people definitely think that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's normally people that are not aware, not educated, and don't really understand. I think if you, if you cross that line of education and awareness, you understand that, you know, they can provide an incredible amount of value but they can only ever do what they're told or right. they can only ever do what their data set has provided instructions to do. So, you know, we, we well get to the point where technology will change industries, you know, and I think that veterinary medicine is no stranger to technology change in the last couple of years. Technology has kind of found the vet field and it's saying, what problems do you have that we might be able to help solve? And so I think vet, that's a the good vet thing. medicine world said, like, oh, sit, have a seat. Yeah, Get exactly. Ready. How much time do you have? <laughs> AI, how much time do you have? And so, yeah, so I think that there's some really interesting things happening in vet med that kind of take us down that path. And I think Signal Pet, um, who, I, I mean, the company, the management team, and the technology are all amazing. And what they're doing is assisted, you know, radiograph um, diagnostic. What SignalPet does is allow an independent one doctor practice mm -hmm. the ability to upload a radiograph mm -hmm. and have it have basic diagnostic done by AI and then have supplementary diagnostics done by a team of teleradiologists oh, and it's, it's like a two-step process it will it can be two-step or it can be just the like if if you think you already know what's going on you can run it through the ai and it's going to give you some information that you didn't have before wow. or if you're not sure and it's a very complicated case their system so sophisticated will send it to a couple of radiologists simultaneously and yeah what they're doing is absolutely incredible and radiology has been long kind of toted as an industry that will have an AI assisted kind of infrastructure really quickly. It's been happening in human medicine, not so much in the US or Canada, but in countries like Italy and Brazil, it's been happening for years. Um, and Tokyo as well, a lot, a lot in Japan, you know, they've got this massive volumes of cases, and the AI is able to kind of do triage, 
you know, imagine imagine if we had an AI robot or a thousand of them that could do triage for COVID-19. Like, you know, would that be a bad thing in San Francisco where you have, you know, 10 hour emergency wait times? I don't think so. I mean, I, I would talk to an AI before I'd rather wait 10 hours. That's right. You know? Well, see, and that's the thing is that they, I feel like the the Lancet article too, that's, that was where, that was where the, the tech people who had created this machine had said that it was going to be valuable. They're like, it's not going to replace the minds of doctors. That's not the idea. But if you have this tool in a rural area where you're like hundreds of miles away from where there's any kind of specialist, or if you're somewhere where the volume is super, super high, like COVID-19 times veterinary ER, where you've got all this, all this activity that's happening, that's funneled towards emergency. And that's what it would be for. It'd be for triage purposes. Yeah. And so I think, you know, if if we're smart, we'll find areas to embrace it and realize, although we may not control every element of it, that, that's the whole definition of AI is it's a machine that can learn from itself. We can always pull the plug, you know, and, and I think that, you know, reality has to set in for the people that are scared of these things. You know, ultimately, we'll have we'll have the on and off switch. So. Yeah, so I, I think AI is interesting. I don't think it's scary. I think it's fascinating. And I think the easiest way to think about it is just, you know, a lot of data that can be queried at the same time. It'd be like having a house full of books. And instead of having to read them, the information would be at your fingertips. The radiograph thing, I, I thought that was really, that was the, the one that I thought was really interesting because, you know, in emergency, the, you know, ER doctors are not necessarily trained extensively to look at radiographs and make a di I mean we can like emergency you look for like a couple basic things like you're looking for like is there a rock in the stomach is there is there a huge balloon of gas in the stomach you know, like like a GDV which is a like one true surgical emergency I'm sure you've heard that before in your in your veterinary world by now I mean like that's one that's easy to diagnose if you take an x-ray now a GI foreign body like if a dog ate like a piece of towel that's placating their intestines that can be trickier and that can get by you and so every ER doctor lives in this kind of low-grade anxiety world of missing something on those yeah. radiographs and if there was a way to there there are ways to verify what they are but you know being emergency inevitably you're gonna have that questionable questionable radiograph is gonna happen on a Sunday at say three in the morning where that's right when it the least convenient time that's right that's right that's when you're gonna have this thing that maybe is a problem maybe it's not and so to have a resource that would be able to get back to you immediately and confirm your suspicions even if you don't and it doesn't have to be like a big time one like I feel like in that the circumstance I'm thinking of is is that specific one where you've got like the dog that's eaten something it shouldn't you probably want to keep it in the hospital but you're just not sure you don't necessarily have to go do surgery right away but you just want to know whether or not you should keep it there for surgery in the morning and that's where that's going to be important because if you send that dog home and then it perforates its bowel overnight, that's the emergency doctor nightmare, right? So if they have a way to not even necessarily, you know, call that, wake the surgeon up, because that's not what they want, but just to confirm your suspicion. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's brilliant, isn't it? You know, to be able to take this thing um, and and use a piece of technology to give you a sense of comfort. It's bizarre. Yes, that's you right. Know, it's bizarre. It's like a technology blanket, you know? but. 
but you know if we can if we can use these tools to enable us to have that sense of comfort that's exactly what they're there for and i think it's a brilliant thing well you know what we have i mean you've probably experienced a little bit of this there are some driverless cars that are making their way on the roads now like i actually saw one the other day in san francisco and it's got big old signs all over it that say you know that it warns you that it's a driverless car and it's it was but they're they've closed off a bunch of um a bunch of streets in san francisco because of the pandemic they've got these like kind of walk and slow streets and it was on one of those which i thought was kind of weird because i was like oh, okay driverless car taking advantage of the slow street but everybody had kind of gathered around to watch it go back and forth because it's impressive it's an impressive thing like everyone wants to see the newfangled thing work you know so there's curiosity in there i feel like that's that's there's maybe curiosity. your that's maybe your saving Absolutely. grace too is that people they're yeah. curious about about it yeah exactly and you know we're curious and distrusting until it improves our life and then we go all the way in you know once once the benefit has been derived and the trust has been established you know we go all the way in but you know i always find it interesting you know like people talk about self-driving cars and the technology that's in self-driving cars like doppler and like all of this technology you know it's been there forever that's right um we've been using it in ships and planes forever so the whole self-driving car thing really ties into one of our um interviewees on our podcast um scott has this technology that measures uh, body temperature um heart rate all of these different vitals wirelessly oh so the animal right. is in the cage you know maybe it's a maybe it's a tiger let's just for say for example it's it you know we don't want to open the cage and take the tiger's temperature it's no fun nobody's right. gonna that's not how you that's not a good day <laughs> um so they have this technology and i think they actually used it there was a an example on the podcast where they used the technology um i think it was at the san diego zoo mm. and for big cats mm -hmm. and what a what a way to make the day better you know you don't have to sedate the cat you don't have to go into the cage like it's pretty good i heard so, that one that was amazing so the one thing i couldn't maybe you could help me visualize this a little bit though so how does it like i get that it can do i think the temperature was the one thing that he said was the trickiest thing like that they're still working yeah. on how to get the temperature right but that they yeah. could monitor like the respiratory rate and the heart rate so is it is it is there a device attached to the animal in some no, way there's not the right so that's is it magic. is it like a how does it i couldn't quite so, glean how they did it the easiest way to think of it i would say is think of like how sonar has mapped the bottom of the ocean mm -hmm. so we send waves of energy uh -huh, uh, uh -huh. sound waves down to the bottom and then we listen to them on the way back right and then we put an algorithm in place and we do some math and we make it draw a picture the math yeah. draws a picture and that's how we get there it's not dissimilar wow. you know it's sending it's sending energy right uh, towards the animal it's hitting the animal and it's able to do some mathematical calculations and produce the results that we would normally get in a much more manual way that is such an amazing thing see and now i when i was thinking about that technology and like how how would I use that in my like how would I use that in my world and you brought up a good point like you know like that like something that you didn't want to touch right so if it's a wild animal that's going to make sense now I was thinking about it in like a CCU setting in a specialty hospital I'm like uh 
mm, I, I mean, I feel like it. Mm, it's going to be maybe helpful for a fractious cat that's otherwise stable, but like we're a little bit too invasive for that in specialty medicine, I think. Well, let, here, here's another example, Nicole. Like imagine, you know, you've got the cat, everything's gone well in the surgery, and you want to go home. Like got an iPhone app, mm -hmm. and they can set alerts on the iPhone app if you need to go back. Well, that's now there's danger to that though, right? You still have to you still kind of want a human present with a post-op patient, but you know what you don't have what all about the time. What for the vet that lives around the corner from the hospital? Like literally two minutes away. Well, and there's a lot of hospitals that, like in New York City, my friend works at one where the the nurse will be there overnight, but the doctor's yeah. not there overnight. And that's so right. that's the time where if you if you wanted to alert that you have to wake them up, and that's always a thing. And they want to yeah. know what's going on. They want to you want to make sure that it's worth waking them up to bother them to come in. But that's the yep. circumstance where they could, with the iPhone app, they could look at what you're looking at. Yeah, yeah. So then there's no question about well, what you said was this. Well but I said that, but I said this thing, but, but you said, you know, like then it gets back and forth between yep. it, at one in the morning when everyone's tired anyway. So that that's where I could see it could be advantageous for that. It's, it's, it's a way to look at what's happening in the hospital in real time yep. and help the poor soul who's stuck there make it, you know, you can make the decision together yep. based on what you guys are seeing. So now I'm in lab animal medicine, which is a very, a very different beast, both figurative, figuratively and um, realistically, <laughs> like, you know, like pun fully intended, because the animals that I'm dealing with, I'm on what they call the large animal side. And so anything that's bigger than a mouse or a rat. So it means, but they're, because they're large animals, they are not companion animals like they sometimes they could be but rarely it's 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 a much more rare circumstance where companion animals are used for lab medicine these days and so we're talking about like pigs for cardiac studies um they will use rhesus macaques in place of human beings say for instance the coronavirus vaccine they were in the news the other day right that these macaques had received this coronavirus vaccine but those are all creatures that don't want you touching them you know, I mean, maybe the pigs, maybe, but you also have, you know, with the, with monkeys, they can carry something uh, called herpes virus B and to them, it does not harm them. But to humans, if you were to contract that, you'll die. Like there it's, yeah. there are no, you do not have a defense for that. And so that's the circumstance where I could see you would be able to, cause you can't just go in there and take their heart rate. That's not a thing. So that would be the circumstance where you want to have something that's going to keep them calm and keep you calm, but be able to monitor what's going on. And I think that's the biggest thing, Nicole, in technology, is when it creates a convenience, that's when we want to embrace it. You know, a reliable convenience. And you know, even sometimes if it's not totally reliable, but it's super convenient, it's worth adapting. Because it just, it can change the way that you do things. And you know, who wants to sedate all of those animals just to do those basic things. It just well, that's right. That's a risk too. That's yeah. like, that's its own. That That's the thing is you always have to, you always have to weigh that option. Like whenever you have something that you can't touch, you're like, okay, well, how much are we going to do here? Like, you know, where you do no harm. That's like your, that's the, the end all be all right. Is like, we do no harm here. So how can we make this work for both us and vicious fluffy? <laughs> <laughs> who wants nothing to do with us.
<laughs> and, Absolutely. And yet be able to treat it. But yeah, that was what I, I had not thought about that. I listened, you know, what's interesting is I listened to that episode twice, the one where with Scott's technology. And the first time I listened to it, I'd only been at my job for like maybe, oh, I want to say maybe a month. And I'm now about three months in. And I listened to it again because it was on your list of stuff like, you know, like, oh, hey, these are the good ones that are, that are going to be relevant. And I listened to it again. And I hadn't even thought about that application that I was like, oh, man, this is like, this is my life now where I almost every animal that's in my life doesn't want me touching it. So now it's a different ball game. Versus it's always amazed me in veterinary medicine how how much you can do with dogs and cats, like how how much we're able to accomplish relatively yeah. easily. And then you get into a world where it's wild animals or undomesticated animals and it's like, oh no, the norm is no touching. And it's not good for them. Like they don't want you there. It's better for them to be completely hands off. And so then you have to think of different ways. You really have to organize yourself. You have to think of different ways to do things. When you do have to do something, there you cannot fuck up. Like you have to have it all, all your ducks in a row, exactly how it has to be for that 10 minutes that you're gonna have if you sedate them with something. Then what you cannot do is a pre-anesthetic exam. You can't do it. Like you can't touch them. Because they, they don't want you touching them until they stress out. And in the case of rhesus macaques who carry herpes B virus, you got double gloves, you have a face shield, you got a mask on, you got this huge gown on. So you can't even really, even in the, bo in the most well-controlled circumstances, you can't really touch them. So I was like, oh, but if I pointed Scott's magic laser. Do it. <laughs> Monkey, the monkey i get a heart rate <laughs> <laughs> but if its heart rate was like if its heart rate was all boo ba ba zap boo zap boo zap boo zap boo you'd be like oh it might not be the greatest okay. day to sedate the monkey you know you might just want to pick another one that's right it's so funny but so true and i think that this is really where the magic of technology like really can set in and and change the dynamic in vet med you know it's like well yeah if we just embrace the, embrace that it's like you know imagine the first time they got the the thermometer that you just point point and shoot you know oh like, my god that's and that's that's all we're doing now right is pointing and shooting that's people's right. foreheads with the thermometer oh yeah. do they do that that's, that's, are, are they doing that in nova scotia for for events no, and stuff no. they don't even Remember, they don't even you, do it we've gone back to normal oh like god, and it's not a it. delusional normal like there was literally three months where no one did anything that's, uh, yes. you know if you traveled from one place to another you were 14 days in your home right. and that just was it and so we went on this insane lockdown I remember I had to drive to the city for work and you know I would normally see thousands of cars mm -hmm. on that drive and I saw maybe three mm. and it was it was like I am legend it was just yeah. like this insane you know movie that I didn't really want to be in I was like okay can we turn this off now you know it was like it was so awkward but we we really locked everything down uh, in the entire country of Canada locked everything's locked the borders are locked the planes the you know everything's done it's closed and you know it's done us really well and i you know i i hope i'm you know not bragging that it's not going to go back in the opposite direction but it's it's amazing here right now yeah. it's, it feels so good to have gone to be able to go to a restaurant and order a pizza oh or whatever. man right you know, or go get sushi it's incredible 
It feels so good. I, you know, you guys will get there. I, I was going to say, Canada, give us some hope. I know, Canada, you guys sit real nice and quiet up there, but I feel like you know what you're doing. <laughs> we just kind of keep to ourselves. You know, ex the occasional podcast gets out, but that's it. But that's it. But that's all it, that's all it needs to be. That's See, now you're going to have now, so you're gonna, you're gonna have problems twofold now. You're going to have people emailing you, and you're going to have people knocking on your door trying to get into Nova yeah, Scotia. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're like, it's nice up here. You're like, you yeah. know, you're going to sit in your car for 14 days and then we'll think about you being up here. That's <laughs> that's what's going to happen. It's, it's just such a bizarre world. And I think you're right. I think there is definitely this like, you know, shelter in place fatigue mm. or like self-isolation fatigue because it's just brutal. Mm -hmm. we're, we're social animals. We we'd like to be out of our cages. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I, I think that, that that is a very true state. People are ready to do that. But they it's just not, you know, it, at this point where like in California, generally, I, I feel like we have to learn. We're learning how to live with it because it's not yeah. going anywhere. So now yeah. now it's not it's not about shelter in place till it's over. We have to think about it that it's there is no over. Like unt yeah. until it until we hear otherwise, there is no over. Like now it's about figuring out how we're going to coexist with this and still be able to not lose our minds, which is what, you know, me and my me and my wife have been doing that for a while now. We're trying to figure out how can we still have gatherings and see people like we can meet outdoors. We can have our picnic blankets yeah. six feet apart in the outdoors. Like that's that's yep. how we're not going to go crazy. But I think it's the the mistake is thinking that there is an end point to it. Like when we reopen everything, it's like, no, no, no. It's going to be an adjustment. There is yeah. no reopening and it's fine. Like now we're in a world of adapting. If we could say to the people of the world, we're going to put the AI on the coronavirus issue, which by the way, we're doing. I was going to say it's happening. Um, and, and it's found a solution. You know, no one's going to be like, okay, well, you know, Fuck the AI. I don't believe it. You know, we don't want to hear it. We don't want their solution. We want the doctor's solution. You know, and, and I think the way that we need to look at technology is it coexists with us and can supplement and add value. And, you know, if if some AI in the world right now is, is chewing away on this problem and can come up with a vaccine, add a go. Oh, my you know, God. Uh, uh, bring it. You know, the right. The better. Oh, well, and that's the thing is there's so much... There is so much that has to happen. There, there's so much sequencing and so much testing that normally goes into vaccine creation that everyone's just, they, everyone needs it to happen tomorrow. It needed to happen yesterday, yep. tomorrow. So the systems, if we can use the technology that we have now, like use the powers that exist now in the world to help expedite that process in a safe and scientific way, I am all for that like let's use the tools like that's what they're yeah. here for that's right i mean and and the and the humans are part of that like like you had said you know it's, it's a symbiotic relationship it's not it's not them versus us it's you know it's us you know pressing the buttons uh getting the technology to chew at chew away at some of the biggest problems that we've got i was in nicaragua a couple of years ago and I was just about to board a flight that was for 12 people and in a plane that could fit 13. Ooh. Tiny, tiny little plane. And I saw the pilot doing manual weight and balance on paper. Whoa. I've never seen that before. Whoa. I was like, what, what's he doing? He's, oh, he's doing the math to figure out if the plane is balanced correctly. Oh and I was thinking God. to myself, 
what the hell? Yeah. What if he makes a mistake? <laughs> you know, and this is an example, you know, we, we don't even see these bits of technology in our life, but that's you know, right. that's constantly happening in the, in the planes that we're in. Um, so it's really interesting, you know, there's, there's areas where we've adopted technology and we just become like so attuned to it where we don't even think about it. And then there's other areas where we just get hyper paranoid and it's just because of lack of exposure and, and, and a bit of ignorance, you know, we're all ignorant when it comes to some things, you know, there's tons of stuff that we could talk about, um, in, in the vet world that I just like look at you with like gla glazed over eyes and yeah. just shake my head and pretend to pretend, you know? <laughs> right, um, right. So it's, it, I think that we just have to be careful, you know, and then we also have to like be okay with being out of our comfort zone when it comes to technology because it can add a lot of value. Yep, that's right. Well, I think that's a really, that's a really interesting point that so much of it is invisible to us in our everyday like that, that that when you get on a commercial airliner that's exactly what the technology is doing is making sure that you're all going to get from point a to point b doing a thousand different things but you're never the magic is that you're never aware that it's there and i'm so glad that you talked about um your nicaragua travels because i had that written down i was like oh this dude says he's a traveler guy that's yeah, I, I I think it's like 64 countries now. No. Um, yeah, and I'm going to bang off a couple of this year. I might go to Ecuador in a, in a week. Oh, that's so yeah. ooh, tricky. Ecuador is a tricky, tricky one right now. Yeah, yeah it's tricky. It's But, you know, uh, yeah, it's hard to say. So we don't know. Traveling anywhere in the world right now, there's kind of like this, am I going into a war zone? I know. You know, because there's so many places that are literally flipped upside down. Yes. And... Yeah, and I mean, normally that doesn't scare me. You know, I, I I would go to Afghanistan or I would go to, you know, some war-torn country. I w wouldn't even think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I just kind of blend in, a bit of a high-risk traveler. But the the coronavirus and the world that we live in right now is a bit, bit out of any kind of normal. Exactly. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. This, like, this virus is doing its thing and nobody really knows what to expect. I mean, no, no one's lived through this. Like, I, my, um, my sister-in-law's grandmother is 90, almost 95. Oh. And it's amazing for me. I mean, and she is one sharp lady. Like, she is 100% with it. And it's amazing to think about that this has happened in her lifetime. Like, how many things has she seen in her in my her grandparents life i was over this. at my grandparents house today like i said for the first time in a couple months right. my grandfather's like 84 uh -huh. and he's the same thing he's sharp as shit yeah. you know like you just we just had a really nice adult conversation today and my kids are there and he's my grandfather and they're playing and we're, we're just having this afternoon and i i really i miss them i was like you know i i see them every couple of weeks um normally and then you know three or four months at that stage of their life you know and his health has never been good so i kind of like always feel like every visit is like valuable yes um, yes and so it's yeah it's just really interesting you know that it's such a strange time and the same thing for them they've seen all kinds of crazy stuff right but this is this takes the i think this wins this wins this yeah the craziest <laughs> this wins the crazy the crazy I hope there's nothing else that's yeah, just let's, crazy you know let's, like, <laughs> right that's what i'm thinking i'm like let's let this, this is deep enough this one we can hole. let this one go You give you give us hope, if Nova Scotia. Yeah, has I mean, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that the world that we're living up here is completely different, and I and I wish nothing but this type of life um, for the rest of the world. You know, I think that there's things that can be done to kind of get out in front of this, and we've got the biggest, brightest 
computers and the best minds in the world on this thing. So I, I truly believe that it will be a thing of the past. Um, and it's just a matter of time before we chase it out, oh. chase it out of this planet. I needed to hear that, Sean. That is a beautiful way to end this. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Canada. You're welcome. Thanks so much to Sean Wilkie of Veterinary Innovation Podcast. Thank you for finding me on the interwebs. Uh, give their podcast a listen. They've got some fantastic guests and they've dedicated their giant brains to helping veterinary medicine with technology, which is awesome. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Cat Disgusted. Now, remember, more than ever, because I work in a human hospital, don't come see me at work. Stay safe out there, everybody. Charlie the Archangel sloped into the room He said, I have no opinion about this And I have no opinion about that Sad as a lonely little wrinkled balloon He said, well, I don't claim